0: Welcome to On the Job with Porak, your go-to place for public safety and officer rights, giving you the news you need to know and discussing the issues that matter.
1: Hi, and welcome to On the Job with PORAC. I'm Brian Marvel, president of PORAC. With me today is PORAC vice president, Damon Kurtz, and special guest, John Gliotta of the Office of Independent Review in Fresno. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for having me, Brian. Pretty much today, we're just going to talk about what an independent reviewer does, probably in general, but we could also talk uh, specifically about um, the Fresno uh, component. Um, So I guess, in essence, what exactly do you do?
0: Well, you know, one of the things that I like to point out to the public is the misconception. Uh, my title is called independent reviewer, but uh, normally it's a police auditor. And a lot of people think a police auditor is there to look at, you know, scrutinize the police department, et cetera. I took the role because I wanted to show the transparency in what the police department does to the community. And I try uh, enhance the trust between the community and the police department. So that's my goal is to get that across. And also, you know, on the occasion, the police department does something that I think could have been done a little bit differently to make it smoother, more community friendly, I also I point that out also.
1: Is this uh, relatively uh, new for Fresno or has Fresno had one for a while? Technically, the position was created in 2009, but
0: the initial uh, person that took the position was, uh, I believe, a retired judge out of the state of Washington. And so he was doing it part-time, long distance from the state of Washington. And then that transitioned to the second person that the position which was a retired uh, FBI agent out of Salt Lake City unfortunately he was also doing it part-time where he would come into Fresno two weekends a month and do the job from there so then when the new mayor came on board Mayor Brand he was elected his goal was to make it a full-time position a resident of Fresno and also added a little bit of additional component to it with community outreach which is also a, a portion of what I do
2: that's great so what's your background uh, prior to joining the Office of Independent Review I mean I know your background because we work work together. Correct. But I think it'd be good for the listeners to know, you know, how you came into this position and what background you bring with it.
0: Sure. Back, I won't go uh, that far back because it wasn't on horseback, but I actually had a patrol car. (laughs) I was a sheriff's deputy in Lee County, Florida, which is the Gulf Coast of Florida uh, area of Fort Myers. I did that for three years and had to come in contact with an FBI agent because I had a... uh, uh, college background suggested I apply. So I applied for the bureau back in the day, and Uncle Sam sent me from the beaches of Fort Myers, Florida, to Stockton. So In Stockton, that's when Stockton was a pretty violent city back in the day. It was back in 88. So based on the nature of the city, we created the first, on the West Coast, FBI Violent Crime Fugitive Task Force. So I was the task force coordinator in which the task force consisted of two Stockton PD officers, two SO deputies, a CHP officer, uh, a CDC prior to CDCR agent and two FBI agents. And all we did was look for the worst of the worst, 187, 211, 261, and it was a target-rich environment, so we did that for four years. We were pretty successful, not because it was the FBI, it was because of the local law enforcement. And some of the departments basically had me doing their uh, evaluations, etc., so I supervised local law enforcement while I was in Stockton. And I was recognized on how successful we were, and I was promoted to FBI supervisor in Fresno. And even as an FBI supervisor, we had task forces under underneath us or part of our responsibility, so still had interaction with local law enforcement. And Robert Mueller, who was special counsel now over the Russia investigation came out with a rule that if you're in management for seven years, you had to either go back to D.C. or voluntarily demote. I wasn't looking forward to going to D.C., so I voluntarily demoted and went back to work in the street, worked gangs, 211s, bank 211s, 207s, etc. So once again, working with local law enforcement. And from there, I was promoted to Washington and in Washington, I was doing there kind of what I'm doing now, where we would travel around the U.S. and look at our own offices to make sure they were doing things in in regards to policy and procedure. And part of that also was our agent-involved shootings, which is like OIS from a law enforcement standpoint. I did that, and I had oversight all over all over the criminal investigations from our offices that were as far north as the Oregon border down to Bakersfield. So. Each one of those offices had their own task force, so once again, I still had oversight over local law enforcement, so I've tried to keep in tune with what's going on on the street level, and from there, I retired and I really was content in retirement until this job came forward and one of the things I said, I don't need the job, I wanted the job. And so I was lucky enough to get selected and I've been doing this since August 2017.
2: Yeah, and I was the president of the POA when you came on and I can speak to that. I think uh, the relationship we've had at the law enforcement level with you has been been a positive one. Um, I think your background uh, dealing with local law enforcement allows you to look at it from a local law enforcement perspective and not from an FBI perspective and I think that's what's made you successful there in Fresno with the relationship with the officers and and leadership there, and also what you're doing in the community as far as trying to bring that level of trust and transparency. But for us, knowing that you're looking at it through the lens of what, what, from law enforcement's perspective too, so.
0: Well, I appreciate that. And one of the things that I try and convey to the public, they don't understand, if, uh, they look, in, a lot of folks look at it from a textbook standpoint. And, you know, when they see uh, an arrest situation going down, they don't think that the individual's uh, resisting. But if you're not complying, you're essentially resisting. So, uh, so I try and look at it from that standpoint. And I'm not an expert. And I explain that when I talk to local law enforcement, but I used handcuffs. I know how handcuffs are applied. And I know what it takes to do a successful and a safe arrest. And so I try and convey that. And on occasion, if I think something went a little bit, uh, could have been done differently, I point that out. But in a constructive way, the last thing you want to do is belittle the, the, the guys and gals on the street. I mean, they got a tough job. And so we just try and do it from a constructive criticism standpoint.
1: So what does a typical day look like for a police reviewer? Do you, do you have a staff, um, you know, what kind of input are you getting? And we could talk a little bit later about this with the, that community group, the, the mayor set up, but, um. What does your day look like? Is it a Monday through Friday job or how does that work? Well, on paper, it's Monday through
0: Friday, but normally how it starts out with, and one of the things that, uh, you know, I give credit to the uh, Fresno Police Department is unlike some of the other independent auditors or uh, police reviewers that I've come in contact with, I have full access to their entire internal affairs database. So what I do when I come in in the morning, I check the ongoing internal affairs cases. And whatever they have, I get to see. So I'll, and technically, I will not look at a case and review a case until it's completed. Because like I tell the public, no matter how much public emotion goes into a certain incident, I want to see all of the evidence. I'm not going to make a snap judgment based on partial evidence. So I'll look to see what's closed and what I need to start looking at. And also we take complaint calls. Uh, I have one other person in in our office, a community uh, coordinator, Myra Aguilar, who does a great job, she used to work with uh, the American Cancer Society, knows how to interact with the public, worked in prisons before, so she knows how to interact. Sometimes you'll have you know, former suspects, et cetera, calling in, being a little bit disgruntled. So we deal with that, and we answer everybody, no matter if we know that, you know, based on the cases already completed, that they were in the wrong, we'll still deal with it, and we deal directly with internal affairs. And then, as far as community outreach, my schedule this week is I'm here uh, up here all day. Wednesday night, I have a community outreach uh, a meeting with another group. Saturday, we have an all-day uh, with another group, and we do that. If there's a community event going outside at a park, no matter if the heat of the summer, we'll set up our own information booth, and we try and get the word out because a lot of people have never
1: even heard of our office. Now, you talked a little bit earlier about the, uh, the community group that the mayor had set up in addition to the to what you do. How does that plug into your reviewing do you receive input from them? Uh, do you provide them input? How does that work? Well, it consists of nine community members that
0: the mayor in his office selected. Although it's a component of the Office of Independent Review, it's independent of my uh, reviews. And they're to bring community input to the mayor's office, and they come out with quarterly reports as to what they're seeing as community members, maybe what could uh, the police department do a better, or suggestions on an, an avenue that the police department isn't looking at that they can do. And I try and stress, their it's their viewpoint specifically or individually. I don't influence what they do, but one of the things I do do, because there's only one person on that board that has any type of law enforcement background, I'll try and do research for them and I'll provide them with factual information so they can make a sound judgment based on that versus coming up with someone's cell phone video, which kind of puts a twist on things because it didn't capture the entire incident. And then we have uh, advisors that are also attached to that. So the DA's office is represented, the PD's represented, FPOA is represented, uh, and the city attorney's office is represented and mayor's office is represented. So if an issue comes up with a legal aspect or a police function, those advisors are there to answer the questions and give them, uh, you know, from the background perspective of policies or procedures.
2: Yeah, those were uh, some interesting meetings. You know, when I was the president, I sat on there as an advisory position and it was good. You had the DA in there, you had uh, um, several folks in there and folks of the, in the community may not understand policy, may not understand statutes, and we can be there to kind of dev- deliver that information or um, let them know, hey, that's this is why we do what we do and and have that dialogue with members of the community. And in a the way it's set up it's it's a it's not an open session meeting it's not open to the public and so you can have real conversations in there and they're not worried from maybe they're representative of a of a community group in there they're not worried about asking certain questions or agreeing with something without with someone in the public maybe disagreeing with them and getting feedback that they can we can have real conversations and hopefully bring something forward to the city whether it's a recommendation on policy um, for the police department or should maybe a city policy but it's it's Everything's all in recommendation. It's not a um, investigative type committee. It's it's literally just looking at best practices and trying to figure out ways that the the city can do better for the for the community.
1: So is that something then? Where uh, do you do quarterly report outs to the city council, or is it just directly to the mayor's office? No, they they become public documents, and they just released one to the city council,
0: and they're. Uh, subject matter that they uh, did a report on was community policing. So one of the things we did, and I try and coordinate this also, is since they have minimal uh, law enforcement background. We went to each police district within the city of Fresno, all five of them, and sat down with the captains and their uh, command staff to decide to determine what they did div- individually in each district as far as community policing, outreach, et cetera. And it opened their eyes. And also the uh, the Citizens Advisory Board also was mandated to do two ride-alongs a year. And that is probably the most eye-opening thing for them to do because some of these folks have never sat in a patrol car. Uh, we make sure that they do a ride-along in a District other than where they live, so they get a, a little sense of what goes on in a city other than their own neighborhood.
2: Yeah, and well, when they they're also, I'm assuming it's still happening when they first come on the board, they they go out to our training center and they get a, a condensed version of use of force training and the force options training. The idea is to give them. A perspective from from law enforcement so when they're looking at if they're gonna make recommendations for how their law enforcement polices their city they're looking at it through not just only the community's eyes but also through the uh, the eyes of the, of the folks that have to do the job
0: and, and they found out real quick how things escalate when we probably had the most meek and mild member of the board put in a situation with a role player and he saw his bad side come out very quickly and he was actually embarrassed after the fact and we said well now you know what they're going through every day and every night
1: when they're out on patrol. Yeah, people that are out there listening to this and I highly recommend, and, and I know Fresno's doing it and I know they're doing it in San Diego, is, you know, to, to reach out to your local agency and see if they offer like a citizen's academy to where you go in for a couple hours, uh, they put through, uh, they talk about use of force, they talk about all the laws, the policies governing use of force. And then they, um, a lot of agencies have simulators, uh, use force simulators, um, force option simulators where you can, you know, they put a, a simulator weapon on you and they put you in a scenario uh, shoot don't shoot type situation um, I know we do canine demonstration down in San Diego uh, we also do the taser and the bean bag and some of the other tools that are available to us but you're right it is an eye opening experience for a lot of people that get to experience that they
0: actually let them also, aside from the simulator let them use simunition and I think think at least one advice, remember, emptied the magazine before he asked for an ID. So uh, it, it's an eye opener for these for these folks.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it, it, that's what's so great about uh, offices like yours and, and citizen review boards is, is, you know, trying to get the public more involved because, you know, Damon and I who and then you uh, who actually worked out on the streets, people like they see that video, And they come to all these conclusions they have no idea what the policies are uh, use of force protocols and you know you said it best when when you're having to go hands-on with somebody and they're actively resisting you. that's resistance right
0: uh and in fresno pd most recently and i'll give credit to the chief he came out real quick where it was an arrest and the gentleman was actively resisting, and, and I, I tell this, we also speak, I, I go out and speak to the young folks, and I tell them, you know, if you get the traffic stop at 2 in the morning, you may be 100% right, and maybe that officer is wrong, but that's not the time to debate the situation. I said, every OIS that I've been a part of, that I've looked at, all they all have one thing in common. They did not comply, and they resisted. So, when you see these people, like the, the most recent one with Fresno PD, the cell phone video showed the officer giving compliance strikes to the rib cage because, and why I used, you know, layman's terms called that the guy was turtling up with his hands underneath them. A big gentleman, you don't know what they're reaching for, what they may have or whatnot, and they see the last 10 seconds of a cell phone video of them striking this gentleman suspect, and they automatically come to to the conclusion that it's unreasonable force. But then when you see the body cam, and you see the the ongoing battle trying to get this gentleman just to comply with the simple handcuffing, so that's what we try and point out, because in addition to my background with the Bureau, I was on a SWAT team for Ten years. I'm a tactical instructor, firearms range master for 20 plus years. So when I look at cases, I also look at it from that angle. That you know, safety's number one, uh, and the general public, like you said, they're not aware of the five uh, issues. we by law they're allowed to use force to overcome. And people think that, you know, they have to actually be shot at before they can engage. And, you know, it's how many occupations are out there where every morning you don't know if you're coming home at the end of the
1: day. It's it's interesting that you brought up the uh, have to be shot before we can return fire. During our use of force stuff that happened here at the Capitol, uh, we had some military people come up and they talked about their military use of force or, uh, uh, you know, engaging with the enemy. And, you know, they they said that they had to receive fire uh, before they could return fire and I go it's just the, the differences are just so diametrically opposed as to what the military's accomplishment and what they're trying to do versus uh, what we're trying to do in maintaining peace and order
2: in America. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's way different and they look at it from a perspective of, well, we have to have some sort of, you know, fired upon, but typically in a military standards, they come in with an overwhelming force, right? So you're standing there with, you know, 150, 200 folks. We're by ourselves. There's a, a big difference. Um, so our, our rules of engagement are a little bit different and, and our goal is to go, Home every night, and I think what your role is is the as the the independent reviewer or the uh, Office of Independent Review. It helps shed light on on why we do what we do, and I think it's good for the community to hear that. Law enforcement doesn't shy away from scrutiny. We don't shy away from the transparency of what we do. We're okay with that. We just want folks to look at it from the perspective, an educated perspective, and not from something they see on TV, on, a, on their their half-hour show that they watched that you know they think that's how we should do the job because it made good drama for TV but that's not reality for us and like I said, we're okay with scrutiny. It's just we want it from an educated perspective.
0: Right. And I don't think uh, the general public understands just the most simple example action versus reaction. And I've fielded the questions many times from folks how come they shot him more than once? You know, you have to understand not every shot is going to stop the threat. And wounded people can also still assault you and still engage in deadly force upon the officer. And I explained how you're you're trained to shoot center mass because of the the tendency to maybe miss your target especially in a hostile situation. So you're trying to explain it to the public cuz like you said Damon, they see it on TV one shot and the person goes down and one shot the, and why don't they shoot him in the leg? Well, shooting him in the leg doesn't stop that person from squeezing the trigger back at you.
1: Exactly. What do you see as the uh, the biggest challenges facing law enforcement today? Like Damon said, it's the scrutiny uh, and as much as I
0: will defend the officers when they're doing things correctly, I'm also there to make the hard calls when I think they may do something incorrectly. But it's the it's the public scrutiny, because although they're scrutinized quite a bit, I will say that when we do the community events and speaking to the public, we hear more compliments than complaints. Although the complaints are out there, and sometimes, unfortunately, the people that are complaining are more vocal than the people that are complimenting the law enforcement. But I, I'd say it's the scrutiny, and. Believe me, I've been in this business for thirty plus years in different states across the US, different departments, and it's changed dramatically and and I tell the public it's gone in the favor of the public because of the scrutiny. You're treated a lot differently today than you were thirty years ago when you came nose to nose with an officer, which is a good thing. But on the downside, people think that, you know, they're always in the right and the officers are always in the wrong. There's a lot of great things being done out there and my job is to show the public what's going on that they are doing things correctly, but in an event something uh, goes astray, they're not robots. I, I pointed out, but in a constructive way.
2: Yeah, I think it's important, and we'll probably close with this, and we'll let Brian close it out, but uh, I think it's important people to know your role is not to just look at what we're doing wrong. It's also to show the public what we're doing right, and I think that's something there's a, there's a little bit of a stigma with that position in other places, and I think some people take that role looking at it like they're looking for what we're doing wrong instead of looking on a broader scale of both hey if I find something wrong I want to point that out but I also want to point out what we're doing right and that helps with the trust in the community
0: well a a good point and one, my most recent report that was just released last week, it was an OIS in which, and I put it right in my report, that the father of the individual, the suspect that was shot in an OIS, it was a non-lethal shot. But the father wrote a letter to, to the police department thanking the chief on the compassion displayed by the officers to the family after the shooting. And he actually apologized for his son's actions putting that officer in a situation, a traumatic situation where he had... To uh, use deadly force. So I I pointed that out and I see that a lot. And I tell the public, you don't see the restraint that the PD puts forth because they only see, unfortunately, when they think
1: things are wrong, not
0: when things are right.
1: Yeah, both uh, really good points. And uh, I wish we could highlight more of the good work that's being done out there. And, you know, we're trying to do that here at Borac. So I really want to thank you for coming in. Uh, Very eye opening uh, conversation on what you do In Fresno, I'm sure you know the independent reviewer. There's big pushes nationally for it to cover all agencies throughout the United States. So I anticipate over the next 15 to 20 years, we're going to start to see more uh, either uh, community review boards or uh, independent reviewers like yourself. So thanks again for coming in. We appreciate that. Well, I thank you and Damon for having me, and hopefully uh, the message gets put out there. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the show. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Please join us on our social media platforms. Go to. PORAC.org, PORAC.org for more info. If you're listening to us on iTunes or Google, please give us five stars. That helps us get noticed. Don't forget to share our podcast with other PORAC members, your family, and friends. All the best and have a safe day.
0: That's it for this episode. Make sure you tune in next time as we discuss the issues that matter.